Today we are on uh, chapter five, uh, uh, session series. We've been doing a series uh, called uh, Joy Ride from the book of Philippians. From the book of Philippians, we as a church, we've been studying through uh, uh, and, and we've finished uh, four, uh, uh, you know, sessions with together. And, and today, uh, as I'm taking our church together, we are on Philippians chapter two, verses 12 through 18. Philippians chapter two, verses 12 to 18. As a church, we've been doing our studies through the book of Philippians. And the, every year, uh, this is what we do in the first six, seven months. You know, we go through uh, topics and uh, we dive into that. And the rest of the year, uh, we try to go through Bible, books of the Bible and study through it. And uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18 is where we are going to camp for uh, some time today. I'm going to read the scriptures here. And after that, I'm going to give you my title. Uh, after that, I'll give you the title for my message, but I'm going to read the scripture first. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with the fear, with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to, uh, uh, in, in, in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I'm going to read the next few verses too, but uh, well, let's pause here for the first two verses that we get, uh, got to read uh, from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And, uh, uh, 12 and 13. Uh, as Paul is exhorting the church, strengthening the church. And, and, and in, in the words of Paul here, in the words of Paul, as you look through the scriptures here, as he is exhorting and strengthening the church in Philippi, he's letting them know, brothers, uh, and, and it is something that as parents we have practiced, as teachers, if you have ever taught in schools, you have probably said this uh, as well. Therefore, my dear friends uh, in the Lord, uh, as you have always obeyed, one of the most important things uh, in Christian faith or in any faith or be it in a school setting, in a Bible study setting, wherever God has positioned us, you know, what is that most important thing you as a teacher would like? That the students will follow you. The students will obey you. The students get to understand what you are trying to communicate. The students are driving with you. They are diving into where you are taking them. And Paul in the letter to Philippi, he's exhorting them, letting them know, brothers, I want you to know that you have always obeyed me. What does it mean? That you have always kept my teachings. Every pastor wants to let the congregation know, thank you so much for actually doing the things that has been provided here. Every doctor would say this, thank you so much for actually taking the prescription, you know, like uh, taking that medication, taking and following through what I have provided because true deliverance comes when you follow. True miracle happens when you follow. Obedience brings the greatest deliverance that you're looking for. Are you with me, church? Obedience in through God's scriptures, in the ways and the work of God, what God has taught to you, through your leaders, through your pastors, through whatever place that you are in, obedience brings the breakthrough and the deliverance in our life. But in the words of Paul here, he mentions this out loud clip to the church in Philippi. I know 
that you have been obeying me when I am not there. And that's the confidence a pastor is having. And I pray that's the confidence a lot of pastors must have. That even when I don't see that the church is following through what has been taught to them. Even when parents don't see that we keep up the standards of a godly life. Even when nobody sees, I still continue to know that I am chosen by a heavenly father. I am an honorable vessel to be put to use by him. And I cannot dishonor the presence of God just because nobody's watching me. Parents may not watch us, people may not watch us, but God always watches us. Nobody may be around us, but always you have. Even if your wife is not around you, God is with you. Even if your parents, your mom and dad are not with you, but God is always with you. The confidence that we have in Christ Jesus, I cannot do that, because not because my parents are not with me, but I know my God is always with me. The confidence that Paul has. The confidence that Paul has. That you have kept my words. You have obeyed me. You have kept every teachings that I have had. And I have kept. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Once a policeman, uh, a lawyer, and a pastor went out for hunting. Hunting. This is the language of Brother James. I love. <laughs> a policeman, a lawyer, and a pastor went out to hunting. And they, they saw this um, a deer and they shot. All together, they shot at the same time and the deer fell down, right? The deer fell down. Everybody, the policeman, the lawyer, and the pastor reached the spot and they saw that this deer was dead. Now, everybody started claiming, hey, you know what? I shot. The pastor said, it's me. The policeman said, pastor, you have no authority here. I have the right aim. I did it. The lawyer said, no, no, none of you all did it. It's me. And somebody was walking by in the forest, right, in the, in the place. And, and, and they came by, they looked, and he judged it. So the person who walked by judged and said, it's not the policeman, it's not the lawyer, it is the pastor. And they asked, how do you say that? How are you so confident in saying this? So the, uh, the, the guy who was walking by said, you know what, the way I found out is because the bullet went through one ear and came out of the other ear. Some of you all did not get it. Probably you will get it after you reach home. But, uh, <laughs> but here's the story. Every pastor, every teacher, every mom, every father, everybody in this room, if you have somebody who's dependent to you, listen to this. If you have somebody who is dependent to you, you always want them to follow through that you have said. You know, when my parents used to travel and leave us behind and travel, my mom used to tell me before we step out of the house, and I know every mom might have done this, and I know Anisha is still doing it, right? It's just a passing circle in the life. Uh, and my mom used to say this, you know, whenever you walk out of the house, switch off all the lights, turn off all the electricity, blah, 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 blah. Or you go to the kitchen and check out if the gas stove is turned off. Any children been here? You've gone through that? Everybody. All parents have been in those places. You were children and your parents did that and now you are parents and you're doing that to your children. We all do that. And then, not just that, my mom, you know, she would go like 30 minutes away and she would still call me. Did you do it? Two hours later, did you do it? Are you with me, church? The reason is because we want them to follow the instructions being provided. 
And in a Christian faith like ours, we all gather in here in this space on a Sunday morning, maybe for two hours. But my message to my church on a 21st century church, the New Testament church, on a Sunday morning, here gathered here on site or online, brothers and sisters, I know that you not only obey my words when you see me face to face, but also when you don't see me. Why? I am not omnipresent but I serve a God who is omnipresent. He is ever present in all of my troubles. My words have limitations. My words may fail short, but the words of our almighty God, he, 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 he gathers me together in the faith that I have in our Lord and Savior. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Listen to this very carefully. You can write it down if you want to. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. A true character of a man... The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. People may not be watching, but God is always watching. God is always watching. I pray that we live in the remembrance that we are always surrounded by a heavenly host. We are always surrounded by the presence of our almighty God. And he is not with you to condemn you. He is with you to help you. He is not with you to put you down, but He is with you to strengthen you. He is not with you to say that you are a sinner. He is with you to say, no, every sinner's past can change. You are a saint and you can live in righteous because of the grace that I have provided. You can live a righteous life, not because of your own merits, brother. We all fall short of the glory, but it is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. He has purchased me, paid the precious blood of the Lamb, so that you and me can be with Him. I am never alone. I am never alone. The next time you travel on HOV, don't tell when you're pulled over. I have the Holy Spirit with me. Verse 13. For... It is God who works in you and will continue for His good purpose. Verse 13, listen, everybody here has maybe told yourself or somebody, I'm just trying to find my purpose. Very good. I'm just trying to find my purpose. You're coming in the, in the, in the, in the reality of where you are at and you're not happy. And now you position yourself in a place and you look to the future and ask yourself and wonder this question, what's my purpose? What is my purpose? Listen, you don't find your purpose, but you serve God's purpose. In a Christian's life, as a child of God, I'm not wandering places to find my purpose, but I am tuning into heaven and understanding what God has for me. I am serving His purpose. You don't find your purpose. You serve God. Psalm 78, verse 70 and 71. He chose His servant, David calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the flock and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants. God's 
own people, the Israel. David was not running for a position. David was not running to be the king. David was not running to find the best places where he can rise up in his hierarchical position, wherever God positioned him. But David was serving God's purpose even when he was tending the sleep sheep and nobody was watching him. Nobody was watching him. But he was still doing what God has asked him to do, serving the purpose of God in the place where God has positioned him. Are you with me, church? You don't find your purpose, you serve God's purpose. I'm just asking my, this, to my church seated here, are you really serving God's purpose? If you are, you will always have a peace. You will live in peace. You don't have to go find things for your peace, but you will live in peace when you start serving God's purpose. Well, I am fired up today as I challenge and encourage my church to understand. Brothers and sisters, you don't find your purpose, but you serve God. You don't look for the palace. You work where God has positioned you. He is the one who calls you from the sheep pens and positions you on the palace so that you will lift up the name of God when you start serving the purpose of God. We serve the purpose of God. It's a small group that you're leading, you're serving God's purpose. A small business that you're leading, you're serving God's purpose. Wherever God has positioned you, you're sharing the light of His transformative glory through your life's conduct. You are serving God's purpose. Listen, you will never have peace in your life until you realize that you are serving God's purpose. You can wander from place to place and go places, wherever it is. You can try finding joy. But unless you know that wherever God has positioned you, He has, call, he has called you to serve His purpose, you will never be peaceful in life. You'll never be peaceful in life. David wasn't seeking a position. He was serving a purpose. There are people that I know in this room that you are serving a purpose. But as I move real quickly into the sermon that God has positioned me to share today, I want to reveal the title, Grumbling or Gratitude. Is it grumbling or gratitude? We're, we're, we're diving in to understand uh, the book of Philippians that talks to us about joy in God's presence. Joy in God's presence. You may have trouble in your life. You may go through seasons of painful experiences in your life. Things that go wrong that you have not planned at all. You know, um, I, I shared this on our church group last week. Three people from my home church in Bangalore were arrested last Sunday. Three young girls. Three young girls. And I shared and a lot of people pray. Three young girls, 21, 20, and I minister. They grew up uh, in my classes and all that and loved them. They were arrested. You know why? Because they were sharing Jesus in Bangalore. In the slums of Bangalore, uh, my church does a free tuition program, and they were just doing the free tuition. They were teaching them how to be good citizens. They were teaching them math and science and social, social work. Every, they were teaching them. Just what? They were teaching. But in the beginning, they just sang a Christian song, and, and, and within 30, 40 minutes, they're like maybe around 150 artists and other people just gathered around and arrested these three young girls, put behind them for over the night. Monday morning, we released them with a lot of money that we paid. But all to say, even in the moments like that, I heard these young girls when I was talking to them. They were having a heart filled with thanksgiving 
and never they murmured against God. They never grumbled against God even when I was talking to them. Listen, life will take you to places where everything is all against you. But in through God's scripture, if we keep this as the standard and the foundation of our existence, I have to repeat it, if we keep this as the standard and the existence, very foundation of our existence, then listen, in everything, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing without grumbling or arguing. A lot of people, we speak a lot of language. Like I speak uh, multiple languages. There are people here that speak a lot of language. There's one more language that you all speak. It's the language of grumbling. Sometimes you actually don't need to have words to express. It could be just sounds when you grumble. <laughs> and you express your concern you express that that you are not liking it you're not loving it just by your sound and everybody knows that you are just grumbling there we have a lot of grumbling and complaining christians in our churches a lot of grumbling and complaining christians they complain for everything Listen, when you start complaining, what happens? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. When you start complaining, what happens? It kills and steals your joy. When you start complaining and, and, and grumbling, it kills the very purpose God has for you in for you to serve in that generation. It kills that. It destroys your purpose. Why? Because you are unable to see God's purpose in the given situations of life. And sometimes we are so caught up in grumbling and complaining and seeing what's wrong that you have no time or energy to appreciate what's good. Because all the time we are focused to find complaints. If you're focused to find complaints, you will find more. I always believe what you seek, you shall find from God's word. If you're seeking to find complaints, you can find enough right now sitting here. In every given aspect, husband find, can find enough complaints about your wife. Wives can find enough about your husband. And in, it goes in various relationships that you share as a human being in your work or church or wherever you are. If you want to find complaints, you will always find one. If you position yourself to receive complaints all the time, you will always find more. Why? Because the enemy comes only to destroy your happiness. And he will give you more. Because you're focused to see only the negative side. But brothers and sisters, in the painful experiences, what are we dealing with right now? I pray without grumbling in everything, let your hearts be filled with gratitude. In due time, God brings the breakthrough. If you believe in that, God brings the breakthrough that no matter what goes so wrong in my life, I don't have to wait for a miracle to show up to praise God, but I can be wherever I am, but still praise the holy name of my wonderful Savior because I don't want to sit back and grumble. I want to honor God filled with gratitude in my heart. Gratitude is a vaccine and antitoxin and antiseptic. Gratitude can be a vaccine that can prevent the invasion of a disgruntled attitude. I pray that God will fill our hearts with gratitude. I pray that God will 
enable us to see the things that he has done. You know, when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, let's just read that. It says, and do not grumble as some of them did, and they were all killed by the destroying angel. Have you all read that scripture before? Do not grumble. As some people in the past already did, they were grumbling against the work of God, against the spirit of God. What happened? They were all dead. Who is the story talking about? The story of the Israelites. The story of the Israelites that God delivered them out of Egypt, out of the Egyptian captivity, and God is leading them into the promised land. Well, they were crying in the Egyptian captivity. They were worried in the Egyptian captivity. They were praying for a deliverance in the Egyptian captivity. And when God sent him, sent them a, a deliverer, a Messiah, a Moses, he is leading them. But in through the journey of transition, they're all complaining. Oh, my Egypt was better than what we are at right now. Really? My Egypt was far better than where I am at right now. Are you for real? You were crying for life just a couple of months ago. You were crying for life. Your, your, your children were murdered and things were not going right the way you planned it. We always forget the season of blessing God has already given in our life when you are in the midst of a transition. Listen, transitions are to be done very carefully. Even in church, I am very particular about ministry transitions. When I say ministry transitions, right after worship, I come in between, and I want to keep that atmosphere right. The transitions that happen, ministries, the transition that happened when, when I was doing emceeing back many, many years ago, back from college, I love the transition because you don't want to kill the moment while you are in the midst of a transition. As business leaders, when you are presenting a thought, you, know, you want to pick it up from where your colleague has left because transitions matter a lot. If it is not the right transition, no matter what you share, nobody will understand. Have you all ever been in those places? Nobody will get it. Transitions are so crucial. You know why? Because it's the enemy that always waits for you in the transition. The enemy knows that it is in the transitional period that you're always weak because you don't have the enough strength to go back or you can't see what is in the near future. You have positioned yourself in the midst of two extremes, and then you're always attached to your past experiences. You know what? Past experiences are good. A lot of older people in this room, experiences are good. But sometimes these experiences can limit ourselves to what has happened in the past and never give us an opportunity to what lies ahead of us. Can I hear some of the young people say amen? Come on. <laughs> experiences are really good. I love the wisdom and the experience that older folks bring in. But sometimes it can limit us to what has happened 40 years ago and not allow us to see what God can do in through. It could be a different season, but in through the transition, He is God and all He alone. Seasons of transitions are very crucial. Be very careful. And sometimes in seasons of transition, that's where we grumble the most. In seasons of transition, that's where we are hurting the most. In seasons of transition, that's where we are struggling the most. Listen to this very carefully. I heard a friend of mine preach this. 
You're waiting for a door to be open. You are in the transit. Stop praising God. Praise Him before the door opens. That gives you the perspective how the door opened. And after you have walked through it, you will never forget God. Even while you are in the midst of a transitional period, stop praising God. Even before the door is open, I will praise Him anyways. And I pray, brothers and sisters listening to me this morning, that whatever life situations are placed in my life, the book of Philippians about spiritual joy, the book of Philippians about joy in the Lord. No matter what circumstances arise, I will not let the enemy destroy the inner peace that is within me. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, as we read, and do not grumble as some of them did, and they were all killed by the angel of darkness, of death. Brothers and sisters, the enemy comes only to kill, to steal, to destroy. We don't want to give him a room to work in our life. We don't want to give him a room. You know, each one of you in this room, you have a great potential within you. That God has called you for a time such as this. That nobody else can replace you. I cannot do what you are doing. You can't do what I am doing. Individually, God has positioned you to lead a group, to do the things of God, to serve the purpose of God. Brothers and sisters, you have so much in you that the enemy is after the gift that is in you. Hallelujah. When the enemy knows where the treasure is kept in the house, he doesn't go to any other room but for the room where the treasure is. The enemy is always after your treasure, the, the gift of the Spirit, the anointing that rests upon your life. Brothers and sisters, that's where the enemy is after. That's what the enemy is after. Guard it. Protect it. Serve the purpose of God. And I pray in our life's journey, that in the season of pain, in a season of transition, we will continue to praise God. Praise God during your period of transition. You know, listen, gratitude is also a gateway for our spiritual growth. Sometimes we can complain about all that is happening. Like I said earlier, if you want to complain, God, the enemy will give you more reasons to complain. And you can join the choir of the complaining group. And the enemy is happy. It's, uh, it would sound like as if you're praising God. But in your, deep down in your heart, you, you, you're you just dancing to the tunes of what the enemy has provided. But listen, gratitude is a gateway for our spiritual growth. What does it mean? All of us in this room, God wants us to grow in the maturity of who Christ is. That we no longer remain to be an infant baby Christian no more. But God wants a growth in our life. From where I was to where I am heading to, God wants a growth in my life. But a life filled with gratitude for what He has done is the gateway for spiritual growth in our life. In through Davidic Psalms, when you look through, you know, David oftentimes complains about things that are not going in his life. But you will always notice that he will always mention but I thank the Lord. You know, in, in one of the scriptures, Psalm 100 verse 4, we'll say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter the gates of his sanctuary with thanksgiving. How many of you in this room today, you woke up, you woke up praising God. You woke up thanking God. You walked into the space thanking God. Are you with me, church? 
Are you with me? We can all find enough reasons, including me, to grumble, to murmur, to complain. But hey, let's find a reason today to thank for what he has done. And if he has done it in the past, he is able to do it again. Because I serve a God who never fails with times or situations. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha, the Omega, and inviting me into the better future that Christ has for me. Man's opinion cannot change what God has for you, brother. The agenda of man and the organization that you work for cannot change the purpose God has for you. You don't find your purpose, but you serve God's purpose. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Even if I get $2 less, I want to serve the purpose of God. I don't want to be rich enough and not knowing who God is. I just want to be in a place where I'm serving the purpose of God. Listen, the posture of our uh, serving, when it works out, you have to practice it. Every blessing you pour out, it must turn out to be a, a praise. It's a song we sing, right? Every blessing you pour out. Turn it back into, am I singing good? I think so. <laughs> well, Brother Prakash told me last, uh, last week, I was meeting him, and he said, we don't sing again. <laughs> Every blessing you pour out into my life. Every blessing God you pours out into my life. Help me, O oh Lord, that it turns back into a praise. Every blessing. Sometimes we think the blessing is only the, 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 the grandest vehicles we love or the palatials. No. Every breath that I have, our perspective must change. Every breath that I have, that I can live closely with my loved ones. Every breath that I have, that I can still serve the purpose of God. I pray every blessing God pours into our life, it will turn back into praise. It will turn back into praise. People who are touched by God, who have seen the gratefulness, wonders of God in your life. This morning, I had uh, my dear friend, Blessing, uh, you know, who, who brought God's word, and he has a very... Blessing, can you come here? I know I'm going to put you on the spot, but can you come here? Blessing had a really powerful, powerful story, and... And I want our church to know, because a lot of people didn't attend the first service, and he shared a story. He again comes from Bangalore. Great people come from? <laughs> it's my dear friend. My dear friend from Bangalore. We served together, and uh, his dad was a church planter there. And uh, the Lord has led him miraculously. Miraculously. He is a living testimony of what God has done. Can I have a mic for him? He's a living testimony of what God has done. He's a living testimony of God's miracle in his life. You know what? He can walk around complaining. He can walk around grumbling. He can walk around thinking that, God, why did you do this to me? But this morning he led worship here. He testified the goodness of God. Can you share that in brief? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry, putting you as <laughs> That's fine. I'm a man with no platelet counts. Have you heard of platelet counts? Any idea of platelet counts? A normal human being needs 1 lakh to 4 lakh. 
uh, I am a man with just 5,000 counts. So the seriousness of not having a platelet count is, uh, if it is below 10,000, you bleed. Uh, it can be fatal. It can be, it will cause death. You know, that's the seriousness of not having platelet counts. And 2011, it started. But today, I, it's still on 5,000 counts. It's still on 5,000 counts. I'm not bleeding. I drive. I play volleyball. I do a lot of things, you know. I, I'm not supposed to do all this, but God lives inside me. That is why I'm living medically dead. Medically dead. Medical has failed in my life, but supernaturally, supernaturally alive. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As Blessing was sharing, he needs 100 to 400,000 blood platelets in his body to be alive, to be function like a normal human being. But he's alive here just with 5,000. He can walk around complaining, but he instead chooses to praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm just reminding my church here, this is the story of a, this is a living testimony of God's grace. There are people here, you might be going through worse situations, or you might walk into worse situation. You're always in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or probably you're going to get into a storm. But wherever you are in that life's transition, never forget your praise. And I pray God will continue to strengthen you. He will continue to build you, and you will bear the witness of God's testimony in your life. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll continue to pray for blessing and his ministry and all that God has allowed him to do and continuing to do. There are people here, your life will have the power of a transformative testimony of what Christ has done in your life. Every blessing you pour out, can I have the worship team? Every blessing you pour out, it will turn back to praise. Gratitude, listen, gratitude gives us access to the throne room of the Most High. Gratitude, a heart filled with gratitude gives us the uh, uh, access to the throne room of Jesus. If parents here, you cook amazing food for your children, they come tired, they come from wherever they are, and around the dinner table, if your children always start grumbling, what is this? Not good, not tasty. What do you do, past parents? You'll make them one day, two day, test the third day, you will say, you make your own food and eat. No, none of the parents would do that. You're all so nice. You won't do that. But you would love to help them out with better when they have filled with gratitude, when people thank you, when people appreciate you, when people come forward and say, Thank you so much. I didn't deserve it, but you've already provided it in my life. Thank you for doing this for me, even when I don't deserve it, but I see the grace of heaven in my life. Don't take people for granted. Don't take the work of God for granted. Don't take the ministries of God for granted. Be thankful for what God has done in your life. Find reasons today to be thankful for the grace of God that has been poured into your life. 
Find reasons to be thankful that you're married to a good husband. Find reasons to be thankful that you're married to a good wife. Find reasons to be thankful that your children are a blessing. Blessings will come from God when you continue to be thankful in the presence of God. Gratitude gives us the access to the throne room of the Most High. You know what? Jesus healed the ten lepers. Have you read that story? How many came back to thank Jesus? Nine went away doing their own business, but one came back, and Jesus was most happy with the one that came back. I pray that we become the one that recognizes the gift of healing and His mercy in my life to come back to say, God, thank you for what you have provided. My life does not give me all the answers right now, but thank you. I'm going to praise you in the midst of this Thanksgiving. But as you ponder and read to verse 15, verse 15 of the same scriptures here, you see why we must have a heart filled with gratitude. Why we must have a heart filled with gratitude. Number one, that you become blameless and pure. Let's read that scripture, right? Verse 15. Sometimes people read scriptures only when they're in the church, but you should practice when you're at home too. Verse 15. So that you do everything without grumbling, and arguing, verse 14, verse 15, so that you become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love it. The reason why gratitude is so important in our life is because a heart filled with gratitude will transform us. A heart filled with gratitude will never leave you where you were at, but it will transform you. It will build you. It will strengthen you. A heart filled with gratitude. You become blameless and pure. You will be without any fault. You will be mocked and separated in a crooked generation. You will shine like the stars in the sky. Brothers and sisters, a heart filled with gratitude will change you from where you are to where God has to take you. He's the same God who led Joseph from the pit to the palace, but Joseph did not cry out and be angry on God when he was in the pit. It is God who is able to lead me through every circumstances, but in the midst of my painful experiences, I'm still going to thank God. The joy of God is a gift of the Spirit for the body of Christ. And I pray, we as His children, we will enjoy that. Can we all stand up in God's house? Can we all stand up in God's house? As, we, as I finish my sermon here, verse 16, it is my desire, and it is a desire of every leader, that I would boast in Christ Jesus about you on the day of judgment. Why does Paul say that? He says this in verse 16. Listen to this very carefully. As you hold firmly to the word of life. Brothers, as you hold firmly to the word of life in your situation that God has provided. And then I will be able to boast on the day that Christ, that, that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you. Sometimes we work really hard. 
We do everything that we can on our end to make things work out. But people take us for granted. People don't understand us at all. But brothers and sisters, listen to this. Paul is writing and strengthening the church. Even if people don't understand. Even if I have to be poured like a sacrifice. I will still rejoice in the Lord. That my work did not go in vain. My labor did not go in vain. I am praying for my church, praying for our faith in God, praying for our families in God, that our foundation establishes who we become in Christ Jesus.